for this true story is in Jerusalem. John chapter 8, Jesus is in the temple, and he's speaking to a crowd of people. And as Pastor Jesse shared at Tailgate Sunday, he was in the area of the temple where there were some great pillars with some um, with fires to like light up the area. And Jesus took that time to say, hey, you see these lights here in these big columns? Well, you know, I am the light of the world. And as Jesus was sharing that he is the light of the world, the Pharisees didn't like that a whole lot. And they challenged Jesus on his teaching. And then Jesus went on to say that God was his father, which really got the disciples riled up. But the Pharisees said, well, oh, well, that's fine, but Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, well, you know what, guys? Um, I knew Abraham. In fact, before Abraham was born, I, I existed. And they were like, what? Wait, wait, you're not even 50 years old. How could you know him? And Jesus, again, was saying that he is deity because he pre-existed Abraham. Well, when Jesus said that, they tried to kill him because Jesus was obviously a madman because he didn't know what he was talking about. But Jesus slipped through the crowd. And then as Jesus was in the crowd in Jerusalem, he comes upon a blind man in John chapter 9. And Jesus talks to this blind man, and he heals this man from blindness. And then the man was taken to the Pharisees because here was this blind man who could now see, and the Pharisees did not celebrate his healing, could not celebrate with him that he was blind, and now he sees they were more upset that Jesus healed this man during the Sabbath. It's kind of funny, is that, wait a second, how can this man now see? He, he was blind, so they didn't believe him, so they went and got his parents, and his parents had to testify, okay, is this, was this guy blind? Was he actually you know, that way since birth? And his parents in uh, John 9, 22 said, yeah, it's, he was blind. He was blind since birth. And they're like, well, how can he see? And his parents were like, uh, look, um, we don't know. Verse 22, he says, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. I bring up this verse because we'll refer to it again. The parents were afraid of the Jewish leaders because anybody who said Jesus is the Messiah, man, you're booted out. You cannot be here to worship. So the Pharisees already had an attitude about Jesus. They did not like him at all. And what's really cool is that after the parents said, you know, uh, yeah, we don't know how he got healed. We just know he was blind and now he sees. And so they bring the, the blind man back in to talk to the Pharisees again. And uh, he was like, uh, okay, um, why do you want to bring me back again? 
It says in verse 24, John 9, 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner, speaking of Jesus, because he broke the Sabbath, he healed on the Sabbath. The blind man who was healed replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and I now see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? The man answered, I have already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh man. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Again, an important point to take note of. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but, uh, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God has not listened to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And what did they do? <laughs> they threw him out of the temple. So the Pharisees were already, you know, they, they, they had their, the hair in the back of their neck was standing on end because they were confronted with Jesus again. And so Jesus found this man who was, who was healed, who Jesus healed, and apparently there were some Pharisees not too far away. And so verse nine, chapter 9, 39 says this, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees asked, are we blind too? Jesus replied, these are my words, yep, you certainly are. Then Jesus began, it says in chapter 10, verse 1, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. So he is speaking directly to the Pharisees. And he says that he is the gate, that everyone who enters through the gate will be saved from their sins. Now, Jesus uses the illustration of a sheep pen and shepherds because everyone in that day would be familiar with the workings of shepherds and sheep pens and sheep. And so it was a common illustration that he could use so that people in that day would totally understand. Plus, I am sure at least the Pharisees would have been familiar with Psalm 23. Now we come down to John 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now each of these I am statements that we've been looking at and will continue to look at, they're a figure of speech. They're, um, they're a simile, they're a metaphor to illustrate a particular fact about Jesus and who he is. Now, when Jesus said, I am, 
I'm sure something clicked in the mind of the Pharisees because the Pharisees knew the Old Testament. And when Jesus said, I am, I'm sure their minds went back to Moses. In Exodus 3, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So when Jesus says, I am, he is using a name for God which in essence is saying, I am God. I am deity. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, I found something interesting here this week when I, when I was studying this. The early Greek manuscripts, when those early church uh, believers would have been reading this, they would have read, I am the shepherd, the good one. I thought that was kind of interesting. I am the shepherd, the good one. I even looked it up in my Greek New Testament, and it was like, oh yeah, there it is. I have never seen that before. I am the shepherd, the good one. Now, why would Jesus say, I am the shepherd, the good one? Hmm. Now, when... Jesus said the good one. He's not only talking about being morally good. He's not only talking about being, but he's talking about being excellent and magnificent. And, and even, even some of the, uh, the translation or the, the definition of good could mean beautiful and lovely, just like we sang about. Oh, Lord, you are beautiful. It ties in directly to when Jesus says, I am the shepherd, the good one. You know, if uh, Israel had a hall of fame for shepherds, Moses would have been in it. And I'm sure some of the prophets would have been in it as well. Um, maybe Isaiah, Elijah. I'm sure David would have been in it as well, probably being up there as you know, one of the, the best shepherds out there. But with Jesus saying, I am the good one, he's saying, I am the goat. You guys know what goat means? What does goat mean? Greatest of all times. That's right. He is the goat shepherd, the greatest of all times. Because Jesus was comparing himself to the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were known as the shepherds of Israel. That was part of their job. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, I, I am the shepherd. I am the good one. In contrast to the Pharisees who were not good shepherds. So why did Jesus say this? to fulfill the prophecy in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. 
prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Remember how the parents of the blind man felt? They were, he, they were afraid to say anything about Jesus because they would have been thrown out of the temple. Verse 10 of Exodus 34. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy here of what, I, what Ezekiel said. I am the shepherd, the good one. So what does a good shepherd do? Well, the second part of verse 11 explains what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why does a shepherd, a good shepherd, lay down his life? Because he loves the sheep. Because he is responsible to take care and protect the sheep. Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life for us. In fact, in a few chapters, um, beyond chapter 10, Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for friends. Jesus went to the cross and laid down his life for us to pay the penalty for our sins so that our enemy, Satan, would be defeated. Jesus is our good shepherd because he laid down his life for us. Jesus contrasts a good shepherd to hired hands. Hired hands don't have the same commitment as a shepherd. Hired hands are usually there because, hey, you're going to pay me money for this? I'll do it. They're there for the money. And when the wolf comes, when their problems come, they run. They flee because they're more concerned about themselves than the sheep. Because they're only a hired hand. What's this to me? The second thing a good shepherd does is stated in verse 14, John 10, 14. It says, a good shepherd knows his sheep, and my sheep know me. The word know is used throughout the Bible. And here in the New Testament, the term is gnosko, which means to know in an absolute sense. It's not merely, well, I, I know so-and-so. You know, I met them a few times. No, it's knowing in an absolute sense. You know all about this person. You know how they think, how they feel. You know what motivates them. You know what demotivates them. It is a complete knowledge. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep in a complete way. Jesus illustrates that by saying that, you know, just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. He makes that distinction because of that 
personal relationship that Jesus has with his father. It's that same way. They know each other. And so Jesus says, I know my sheep in that same way. And then verse 16. Verse 16 is an important verse. In fact, it's a very important verse. Anybody going to ask why? Verse 16 is a very important verse for all of us. Thank you. I'm glad you asked that question. It's a very important verse because, because in verse 16, it says that there are sheep that are not of this pen. Now, wait a second. So far in Jesus' illustration here of being a shepherd and sheep and the hired hands, all of that dealt with the Israelites, the Jewish people, dealt with the Pharisees. And so all of that was surrounded in in his metaphor here. Jesus was thinking about that. And now we come to verse 16 and he says that I have sheep that are not of this pen. That's you. That's, that's me. The bad part is we're stupid sheep. But the good part is Jesus wants us to be part of his pen. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. John five twenty four. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in me and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Whoever hears my word. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Even the Old Testament speaks to this. Isaiah 42.6, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. That's us. That is us. That is so cool. Jesus says, you know, I have sheep in my pen, the Jewish people, but there's a lot of sheep that aren't in this pen that I'm going to go get. The last part of verse 16 says that Jesus, as the good shepherd, will unite his flock around himself. There is one flock, as Ross alluded to earlier. Romans 10, 12 says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon his name. 
Colossians 3.11, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave or free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Very clear that there is no distinction between whether you're Jewish, you're Gentile, we are all one. And Jesus says in verse 16 that they are all part of one flock. This past Friday, well, just a couple of days ago, I was uh, studying in my office and Rachel Bender, who was cleaning the church, popped her head in and said, hey, there's two guys who want to see you. I said, oh, cool. Um, the one guy I knew, um, his name is Christian McCartney, um, a real neat guy. He's probably, I don't know, in his thir early 30s maybe. Um, he's a TikTok guy. And I never knew about, you know, what you could do on TikTok. But his whole job is being on TikTok. And he is a Christian comedian, and that's his job. He makes TikTok videos. Now, if I was on TikTok, I would show you one of his videos, but I'm not on TikTok, so. But you can look him up, Christian McCartney. Um, the other guy had no idea who he was. He was a cross between Chad Stolzfus, no hair, and John Federoff, long beard. I mean, like down to his belly button. And uh, so this guy comes in with Christian. He sat down in my office and he's like, hey, good to see you guys. What's up? And he's like, uh, I am here today to encourage you. I said, oh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. He says, I just want to pray for you. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Do that. So we had a, a, a neat prayer time. Um, interesting guy. He has, he has a ministry called... Insane ministry, um, which pretty much, I mean, that's kind of like the picture of the guy. You, you see him there. I mean, that's kind of what he looked like. Um, but his ministry is called Insane Ministries, and it's because he just goes around to churches to pray for people and encourage them. Um, he, he gave me a book called Losing My Voice to Find It, How a Rock Star Discovered His Greatest Purpose. And it's about Mark Stewart, who was the lead singer for Audio Adrenaline, and how he lost his voice. Now, it's tough to be a lead singer in a group when you can't sing. And so he, he lost his voice, and he said, God, what do you have for me now? And so, cool book. Um, I'm excited to have an opportunity to read it. But it was like, really, this guy just stopped in to, to pray. And to say, you know, hey, keep up the good work for God. Cool. You know, we had this instant bond. Why? Because we're all part of the one flock. Because we had Jesus as our good shepherd. And it was just so cool. It was just so cool to be able to relate to him. And, and to have the time of, of sharing and praying together. And it was like, this is awesome. So Jesus says, I am the shepherd, the good 
one. I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my sheep because there is just one flock. And Jesus says, and there is just one shepherd. There is no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus. The gate into the sheep pen. And Jesus is our good shepherd because he laid down his life for us. And down in uh, verse 19, it says, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You know, even today, Jesus divides people. If you mention the name of Jesus, there is that divide, those who believe in him and those who don't. If you talk about God, well, that's different. Everybody can sort of come in under that term of God. But if you mention Jesus, that's a different ballgame. Just like the crowd was divided back then, the crowd is divided today over Jesus and who he is and what he has done. As you leave here today, I want you to remember these things. That the shepherd who is good willingly laid down his life for you. He sacrificed his life for you. That's how worthy you are. That's how much God loves you to be willing to do that. He sacrificed his life for us. The second thing I want you to remember as you walk away, the good shepherd knows you. It's a complete knowledge. So those things that you are struggling with, those things that you are dealing with in your life, the good shepherd knows those things. He's aware of those things. So no matter if you're sitting out in your tractor, no matter if you're sitting in your office, no matter if you're sitting in one of your porta potties, Phil, God knows you. He knows you completely with a complete knowledge. The last thing I want you to walk away with is that the good shepherd is pursuing you because there are sheep who are not in his pen yet and he is pursuing you. He is pursuing you so that you become part of his pen, so that you become part of his flock. The shepherd who is good, Jesus, he sacrificed his life for you he knows you completely, and he is pursuing you. And the good part is, he never gives up. He is not giving up on you. Amen? Jesus, the shepherd, the good 
one. Amen. Let's pray. God, thanks for being the good shepherd to us. God, thank you for sacrificing your life for us, your sheep. God, thank you that you know us, that you know everything about us, that knowledge is complete. God, thank you for that. God, thank you for pursuing us, that you are not giving up on us, and that you pursue us so that we can become more like the good shepherd and all we think, do, and say. So God, continue to pursue us. Continue to help us to be part of your flock that is making a difference in this world. God, we are so grateful. We are so thankful for all that you do for us. God, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.